Miamians and listeners from around the world, welcome to another episode of Miami Global Net. Volunteers have invested 41,000 hours into the Virginia Key Bicycle Club. This should show you how much people care about this place. This place has true community. Today's guest, we have president of the club, Bernard Riviere, also known as Frenchie. Frenchie will tell us the story behind the club, how it started, and what you can expect on your first visit. Join me as I discover what Frenchie and the Virginia Key Bicycle Club have to offer. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and sign up to a newsletter. Information in the show notes. Welcome to Miami Global Net Podcast, where we showcase the people and organizations that support Miami's international landscape. Learn from local business owners, startups, diplomats, and community leaders. Get to know the tools and services that are out there that help you invest and grow in South Florida. Miami is a true global city where one can live and do business with a global reach. Frenchie, welcome on the show. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? Thank you. I'm fine. I hope you're doing well also. And um, let's ready to talk some uh, some bicycle things. Awesome. Let's dive right in or bike right in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Where, where are you from? I don't know if you can tell by my accent, but I wasn't born in this country. Um, I was born in Africa because I'm an Air Force brat and my father was in the Air Force. So I spent my seven, first seven years in Africa in Algeria. And then the independence for that country came. I moved to France in 62. And I spent roughly 15 years in France, including time in Germany, time in England. And I'm in Miami since 1980. So the place in the world where I spend the most time, actually, is the United States and it's the city of Miami, actually. I'm here since 1980. So 40, almost 41 years. And I still have my accent. <laughs> Well, the accent is cool. And that's the beauty of Miami. You have all sorts of people with accents and styles and culture. So that's, keep Agreed. it, please. Agreed. Oh, I'm not trying to get rid of it. It's a little late for that. True, true. Otherwise, uh, as far as background is concerned, well, uh, when I left France, I mean, uh, the, my last few years in France, I was a musician in a rock and roll band touring all over, all over Europe, basically. Uh, at, least the, at least the Western Europe. And uh, we, we could make the money we wanted to make. So we all decided to kind of move, not just me, the entire band. And we moved to Miami 41 years ago. So this is why I'm here. What brought me here is basically music. So what's the name? What was the name of your band? Hollow Spirit. Yep. That's a good name. What was the inspiration behind that name? Oh, well, the, the band, the, the name was chosen by the three guys who were in the band before me. So um, um, I have nothing to say with it. I like the name myself. <laughs> you know, it's fine. It's a cool name. It's a cool name. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. And then um, we didn't make the money we wanted. So we came here and here we still did not make the money we came in. And we all went separate direction, taking different jobs. And and that's it. That's that's the way it is. And we're still very good friends. That we Actually, we are like brothers. I mean, just to be honest. <laughs> do, they live, do they live in Miami? Uh, one moved back to Poland after retiring. Back, I mean, moved to Poland. Mm -hmm. uh, one of there were three brothers, by the way. You need to know that. So one died uh, at a young age of 45, 46. And the third one is uh, like my brother. He works at the French consulate in Miami. <laughs> so this is this is the the left of the band, the leftover of the band. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you see, you see, whoever's listening, now we know that Frenchie's connected with the French government. So if you need your passport, you come to Frenchie, he'll hook you up. <laughs> I'll hook you up with my buddy for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's dive right into these trails. How did yeah. it all start? Well, um, what, what happened is um, uh, in France, I was doing cyclocross uh, as a sport and road biking a little bit. And once in a while, I used to take my bike in people's backyard or in a forest or in the woods or along a river and doing little things here and there to jump to make it more fun than just running on tarmac or on asphalt. And that was in France. So when I came here, I didn't do any sports the first few years. And all of a sudden, around 90, I wanted to do some sport. So this is the time where mountain biking came to South Florida. Mountain biking existed uh, 15 years before that in California basically in Marin County uh, with the guys like uh, Gary Fisher and all those guys were uh, starting that sport. And then he showed up in uh, around Florida, South Florida in um, around 89, 90. So I found out that there was like a park, they had partial trail. I went to that park and I did some mountain biking there. And I, I got friendly with the, the manager that was a state park. This is Olita River State Park. And they said, listen, um, if you want to attract more people, you need more, more length. So uh, I, don't, I wouldn't mind work building more trails for you. Well, and they said, yes. And here we go. Since 1992, I built trail at the Olita River State Park. And when I arrived to the park, they had about three and a half, four miles of trails. When I left the park, they had 13, almost 14 miles of trails. I'm talking single track, like trails. Only one bike at a time can go in the wood between trees with, with relatively small elevation, but trying to make it interesting. So while I did this from 92 till 2010, I was there every weekend doing the same thing I'm doing in Virginia Key right now. Um, and in 2005, I was still working in Olita, but the owner of a bike store in Miami, Mike Cycle, the owner, Mary Jane uh, Mark, wanted to have mountain bike trail in order for her to sell more mountain bike. So she hooked up with me and John Voss, who's a mountain biker also, and he's the treasurer of our club today. Yeah. And for her, her Voss and I, for five years, we've been knocking door of the city, trying to make them understand that there would be, it's a green sport. You have a piece of land that everybody's using as a dump or, um, or uh, the winos hand up there. People do smoking stuff will go up there. It was really, a huge piece of real estate, 50 acres on the water, not in use. Okay, so meeting, yes, meeting, no, it's been approved, it's been canceled, it's been changed, we don't know, we might happen. And five years later, in 2010, oh, Frenchie, here goes the key to the park. You can start. <laughs> so this is actually how it started. Five years of meeting and being disappointed because it was never the right answer. <laughs> and finally, I got the keys. So I said, all right, I bought some money now. Oh, no, 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 no. Just the keys. <laughs> Just the keys. <laughs> All right. So we had to do everything ourselves. <laughs> we had to absolutely do um, uh, everything ourselves in the sense of raising money. So the first person who, uh, who did something, uh, you, you want to know how the trail are supported. That's a very good way of looking at us because it's not supported. We support it ourselves by looking for 
donors and stuff like that. So that's one of the things I noticed when I went to to and you gave me the the tour, which was fantastic. Uh, that you mentioned that it's you you depend on a large group of volunteers that rotate and constantly support the trails and go and build and yeah. and, and participate. Oh, de definitely. I mean, uh, but the volunteers can only work with tools that we need to buy first. <laughs> Our <laughs> so, hands. Uh, well, hands, but I mean, uh, digging sand with hands is not fun. And uh, planting, planting, I mean, uh, hammering nails and planting screws with hands is not fun either. So, so the first person, obviously, who came up with some money was Mary Jane Mark from MaxCycle. She gave us $10,000 to get us started. Obviously, this did. Obviously, she had a, um, she spent those hours in a meeting with us. So she was happy to do it. And since then, she became our biggest supporter. And she's probably around $60,000 in 10 years than she gave us. Sometimes in cash, sometimes in checks. Sometimes she gave us bicycle for raffle. She gave us a bunch of jerseys. She buys us lunch for uh, 50, 100 volunteers at a time throughout the years. She probably close to 60, if not over 60. So... That, that, was one, that was one way to start. Then after this, I founded a club with John Voss and Mary Jane. So we had a club with, you know, president, vice president, treasurer, and four or five board members. And all the money we got through, we sell membership. We did jerseys. We sell jerseys. Uh, we do some events. We also applied for grants. And we did get a $20,000 grant from uh, the Miami Project. Okay, so Great. Every, Great. Every, every, every little bit helps, and especially when it's a big bit like this. Um, and then we count on donation. Uh, some people give 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. They don't care being a member. They just want the trail to get better. So some individual people give 500 to $1,000. Uh, you know, the last uh, seven months, I had two riders who gave me $1,000 each. And one rider who gave me $5,000. So that's where we live, basically. All the money is created by us. I mean, by talking to people and telling them, you like those trails? Yeah, well, they don't build themselves. We need money. You know, you, you've seen our equipment. We have containers, golf carts, and a bunch of chainsaws and power tools. None of, none of this is free. None of this is free. You definitely have built yourself a, a good community of supporters. I remember I went with someone to paint one of the, one of the, what of the? Yeah, one of the berms. Of, yeah. One of the ramps. Yeah, his name is David. David, uh, yes. That's basically what, what, what he does. Is, uh, I don't, I don't want to say everybody has a job, but I mean, if you're good at something, you're going to do that stuff more often than the person who's not good at it. So this is David's job is basically when we some to paint, we call David first. Or we don't call him. He comes. He's there. <laughs> oh, he's great. He used to be my neighbor. He, so he's like, you should come to the trails. You should come to the trails. And one day he's like, I'm going to go paint something. You want to help me? And I was like, okay, let's go. Let's do it. And that's yeah, when no, we first did. learned about about the trails, yeah. and then of course yeah. we're connected with you, and and then and then uh, and then just just to stay on the volunteer part, this is something I added at the end of uh, uh, for the end of the, the the podcast. But we talk about volunteer right now. Might, might as well. I have some numbers because it's hard for me to remember them all. Um, first of all, the park itself—it's got the best view. There's no mountain yes. biking. There's no mountain biking in the world that's got ocean front. I was impressed. I was impressed with the view. I was like, I've been in Miami for 22 years and I have not seen this yeah. viewpoint, you know, from, yeah. I was like, this is great. Exactly. Exactly. So we also have the best ground, the best earth. When it rains more than two, three hours, a lot of other parks, they're closing because it's flooding. We're not. This is a sand island, basically. No, we're elevated, but it's also a sand island. So we never close for flooding. 
So when we see a thousand cars in the parking lot, we know the other two parks in Daytona are closed. <laughs> <For example. laughs> uh, and then, uh, and then uh, you, when you talk about the trails, you have trails for every level and stuff. And, and people think Miami is flat. A lot of people move to Miami. They sell the mountain bike because they're moving to Miami. They're regretting it. After, after they meet us, they're regretting it. You, you got some crazy, crazy dives there. I will... Yeah. So you, got some, and, you got some good elevation for real. And he's, he's going to, he's going to be, uh, I shouldn't say worse, but it's going to be better. <laughs> we, we're building something right now that's going to put us on the national map. I saw. I, I saw. I mean, national map, not regional, not Florida. Um, and talking about the volunteers, thousands of them since day one. Some keep coming, some left, some moved out of town. But we have out of, uh, let me read those numbers now because Go ahead. We, Go have ahead. A, we have total 41,000 hours of volunteering in 10 years. I bet you the Grand Canyon and National Park doesn't have that. Okay. <laughs> and and they are like, uh, I don't know, uh, 5,000 square miles. And we only 50 acres. Okay. So 41,000 hours in 50 acres. Uh, we have six people over 1,000 hours. Okay. Some of them are not even there 10 years. Some of them are there six, seven, eight years. We have 17 people over 500 hours. And we have another 50 plus people over 100 hours. Fantastic. Okay. No other places can say that. Fantastic. But we, but we can. So that's why I'm saying it because it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. So this is what I want to say about the, about the, the volunteer because without them, me alone, I'm one guy with a hammer and a machete and that's not doing it. You need, you need, all the, you need the manpower and you need the ideas and you need a bunch of stuff. Yeah, we, where you took me for for the tour, you had your machete with you. We did the golf cart, but then we, you were showing me the trails. You were you were hacking down those trees. There's always stuff that grows. That's true. It always grows. It always grows. So, <laughs> that's so good. tell me, tell me about the trails. Who who can attend these trails? Anybody, anyone. It's free too. I mean, it's free to get in. If you come by bicycle, it's free. Come in, ride, have fun, go home. If you come by car, they, they charge you for parking. Yeah, because you have to get into Virginia Key and go the, all the way to the back to the trails. Right, but if you it's do the, this on a bike, on the bicycle, it's free. On a car, it's $8 per car. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, because it's the park itself that charges, uh, but the trails are, are free. Oh, no, no, the trails are free. We're not allowed yeah. to charge anything. We're only, uh, we're only custodians. You know, we, we don't own the joint. We are allowed to play in it. So people don't have to worry about bringing a bike, right? They can rent one. Absolutely. The, the, there's a Virginia Key Outdoor Center right before the mountain bike trail. You have Virginia Key Outdoor Center, then the parking lot, then the trailhead. So you have to go in front of the outdoor center to, 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 to ride a bike. And if you don't have a bike, you can rent one there or you can rent a paddleboard, you can rent a kayak. And it's just, I have a lot of friends of mine that come in the morning, they ride their bike, they bring their lunch, they eat lunch in the afternoon, they go kayaking or paddleboarding. I call this a nice day. I call this uh, a good a good Saturday or Sunday for for the entire family on top of it. I didn't know that you had the trails divided by just like skiing. Can you break down that that trail division for us? Um, yes, I can even uh, be very precise if you want to. Let's do it. Let's do we it. Have, we have a, we have a twenty three or 24, 25 trails. Uh, they all have names, obviously, and they all have names rough, roughly of rock and roll songs. Oh, because it has nothing to do with you being a rock and roll band but, player. But, yeah, but I'm the one who chose the name of the trails. So, <laughs> yeah, it has something to do with me being a musician. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes yeah. it does. I mean, for, for sure. 
So it's like skiing. Uh, you have a trail that goes all around. Yeah. Okay. So this is, we call this an adaptive trail. This is basically a Jeep road. So you, you have access for the fire department, access for a big stuff to, to bring dirt or tools. When we get a container, obviously the container, they come in 40 foot trucks. They are not coming in the back of a pickup truck. You need a lot of room. So all the trail starts from that trail that goes around. And in terms of each trail, you have a few signs. The name of the trail, the directional arrow, like this is the way in, the sign helmet mandatory, and below this, the difficulty level of the trail. So if it's, uh, the, if it's the perimeter road, it's going to be an orange triangle called adaptive trail. Okay. And that trail is called long and winding road because that's what it is. And it's a song from the Beatles. <laughs> uh, then each trail, uh, the, the next trail could be a green circle. Then you would say novice trail. And then another trail could be a blue square, like in skiing. It says intermediate skill trail. And then you have a black diamond trail. This is for uh, people who have good bike skills and who have good uh, physical capability. And then we have double black for the crazies. For <laughs> what the I mean, the crazies, I mean, the crazies who don't mind doing it, obviously. They ask me for more double black all the time because this is what the fun is. I mean, going four miles an hour on, on packed sand is not fun. By going up and down and stairs and jump and, and rocks, and the, that's fun. <laughs> that's fun. You also showed me a training ground for, for particular skills right. when you go over things right. and stuff. What is that? There is something in the parking lot. Um, this, it's a pump track in a parking lot. So this is something basically for rollerbladers and bikers alike. Everybody can use it. Okay. okay. So it's a bunch of, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's um, factory made. Okay. We, we didn't make this. We bought it and we put it together. It's in a parking lot to learn your skill, to learn your balance and stuff. And around that, we have some little obstacle to teach the kids uh, their own thing to do, to do like daddy or mommy. So it's like a, some rock to go over, some as narrow bridge, some uh, log over, some some tight turn, some, you know. So this is something to work on your skill. Um, nobody spent 10 hours there learning, but a lot of people, even the good writers, they do spend time, you know, some time there because it's always nice to remind themselves that some stuff you look easy, but you still cannot do it perfectly each time. So it's like a, basically it's a training ground. It's a small training ground. And you, you mentioned that you, in combination of all the difficulties, you have how many miles of trail? 9.1 as Nine. of yesterday. And I can tell you, I'm precise. <laughs> Growing every day. So 9.1 miles. Right. And keep in mind, we have to rebuild it twice. Because Irma came to visit us in 17. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Irma destroyed the park, 9,000 trees down in 50 acres. Okay. So okay. I said, I go, we're going to lose the park. They're going to bring bulldozer to finish the job that Irma left up. Or we can rally the troop and go work and let's gain our park back. The following four weekends, that means eight working days, four Saturdays, four Sundays, we had over 800, we had exactly 812 people coming to work, and we reopened four miles of trails after a month after the hurricane. And from now on, after this, is one trail at a time, rebuilt, rebuilt, rebuilt. And the rebuilding is not just designed on the ground. So many trees that are as big as your body need to be cut to accommodate the bicycle running through again. So we had to build a park twice, basically. <laughs> yeah. When hurricane came, it was eight miles. We lost up to zero. 
a month later, we have four miles and now we have 9.1. This is the longest we've ever been so far. And this is the beauty about this project is the amount of volunteers and the passion behind it. I mean, there was a hurricane comes in and you have all these influx of volunteers and boom, before you know it, you got the, you got the park up and running again and getting people on those trails. <laughs> that, that was our goal. We were afraid of the bulldozer. They, they've done this in another park in South Florida. The motivation, the motivation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Either we work, we, we, we do it fast or we're losing it all. And nobody wanted to lose it. Talking about more volunteers, I know you've partnered with the Boy Scouts, right? The Boy Scouts, right. which um, a lot of people know about the Boy Scouts. It's a very known organization where people, especially kids in their youth, participate and learn how to do stuff in, in the wild. And I'm sure there's a bunch of other things that I'm missing because I'm not a Boy Scout, but a part of that is to do handmade things like benches and stuff, right? Uh, so how do I partner with them? It's very simple. They approach me. You have a kid that's ready to turn 18. He's going to leave the Boy Scout. He needs his Eagle project. So he comes to me, Frenchie, can you do an Eagle project with my troop for you? Mm, yes. What would you like to do? And I take him to the same tool that I took you, show them stuff that needs to be fixed, that needs to be rebuilt, that needs to be arranged, that needs to be uh, invented even. And I say, which what? And I say, we pick that. Okay. And I, I worked with five different troops already. And they all came up. And obviously, they have to raise their own money. They have to do all their, their own buying. Uh, obviously, a lot of them are minors, so not everybody drives, so usually the parents help them. But they have to bring the stuff to the park and they have to put it together. And if they have to uh, build something like tables and benches, they're doing it and very successful. Three teams out of the five did benches. So all the benches we have inside the park doesn't come from the city, it comes from the Boy Scouts. <laughs> Keep in mind, the city had no benches in there because before us, it was a dump. It was not a park. So they certainly didn't need benches, but we do. <laughs> we do. It was a dump of sand, right? And, and public works have dump dirt to dump. They dump it there. And a month later, public work needs dirt to put on the expressway or on the new uh, highway. They come pick it up there. So this is why it's always uneven and nothing is flat. You got more dirt in one area than another, and this is what creeps up and down. And I took the opportunity <laughs> to use it as uh, as our own mountain, even though we don't have mountains. Perfect. We have 50 foot elevation. Okay, so the ocean is like a, a 30 yards from us, but we're 50 feet in the air. So this is something that people don't expect to hear stuff like this in Miami. Because if you go to downtown, Cayocho, US 1, North Miami, it's completely no, flat. No 50 foot elevation. <laughs> exactly. Except except for highway overpass. The rest, uh, the rest it's all flat. So we, we are lucky. You, you couldn't have a mountain bike park being completely flat. It's not happening. So if I want to get started, I've never done biking before. How can I get started? Started. Um, I recommend one thing and one thing only. Perfect. A mountain, a mountain bike. Uh, do not start with a cruiser or with a with triathlon bike or with a road bike. It's not going to work for you. A BMX is fine, but you're going to be physically exhausted because BMX don't have gears and stuff. So it's not really meant for that. So in order to attend the place, um, you don't have to do anything. You need a mountain bike and a helmet. I also recommend gloves because when I fall in rocks, I'd rather have gloves between the rocks and my hand and comfortable clothes. And that's how you start. How to get better at it. Do it as often as you can and always ride with someone that's better than you. Then you can, they, they, they can tell you what to do or what not to do. And you, they can, you can ride in the back of them 
and see what gear they're changing and you try to, to imitate them and you see the line they're taking. So you're taking the same line and sometimes you're right in front of them and they will tell you what you did wrong, that you're in a wrong gear and this and that and that. So if you go there twice a year, you'll never be good at it. If you go there uh, two, three times a month, yeah, every time you're going to get better, you feel more confident and you, you'll be able to tackle trails a, a little more, uh, a little more, um, I don't want to say difficult, but a little more technical part. You know, it's, uh, gotcha. it's, it's like any sport. If you want to break the, the, the 100 yard uh, dash, I mean, you cannot train once a year. <laughs> you have to train constantly and then you become good and fast. Same thing there. Same thing there. One of the yep. things that I was that I was impressed that you mentioned is that the handicap you have ability for handicapped people in bikes to use the trails. Okay, so yes, we do and we don't. The trail I just mentioned to you, the adaptive trail, the one with the orange triangle, that's the trail oh. that goes all the park. This is not ADA. You cannot come with a wheelchair. It's full of rocks and pebbles and and crevices and stuff. So it's not. But some people who lost some of their limb, they have special bicycle made for them with with mountain bike tires we have a good friend of ours who lost his leg in an accident hmm. he comes there once in a while on the trike made specially for him no pedals he doesn't have legs so he's moving the bicycle with his arms so that's he can only do the the the, um, the adaptive trail because it's the only place is very wide uh, the rear of his bicycle would fit so he cannot go between two trees they are uh, 80 centimeters apart he needs to go on a jeep road all around and that Jeep road, that Jeep road takes you to the 50 feet high or at least 45. So it's not like flat. You can go fast without any, any effort. He needs two. And when he's done with one or two laps, uh, the guy wants to go home and sleep. Uh, so we do have adaptive trail, but they're not ADA compliant because there's no mountain bike park in the world that's made for people on wheelchair or, um, or um, we have people uh, with prosthesis. They run the park as well. Because it's multi-use park, you also have runners and walkers and and bikers. So we do have people with a lot of disability, but those guys they can run wherever they want. They're narrow enough to fit everywhere a bike can fit, so they are welcome. <laughs> they're Got welcome. it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about tournaments. You mentioned that there are some tournaments around the well, world. Well, right. They're not really tournaments; they're races, um, and they're organized by uh, outside entity from the park. I mean, uh, this is people who just do 5K there, 10K there, 20K there, half marathon there, a bike race. Uh, so those people come to us and say, can I put a mountain bike race there? I say, yes. So they get a permit from the city. And obviously we cannot say yes or no. <laughs> the land belongs to the city. Uh, so we help those guys usually. And they, uh, you know, they, they give money to the club to help them. We bring volunteers so we can help set up the course, clean, clean up and all that stuff. So we have two people. We have two, three races a year there. And soon we're going to start our own little series of races, the club itself. So at least this time we're going to keep the entry fee money for the club itself. Um, so we're going to do some of those. Um, I've been approached by uh, the people from the Miami Marathon. Uh, as recently as last, the past Friday, <laughs> uh, they intend to do a running race in there. So, okay, they have to go to the permit and they're going to have a, a night running race in the trail when the park is closed. That's so, that's Frankie Ruiz, right? I was with Frankie and, and his friend I, Alex the last Friday night. <laughs> I had him on the show. He was one of my first episodes. Okay, so you know it's a small world. Whatever you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so basically, the as far as races, this is what we do. But uh, 
a lot of people are on Strava and they race themselves. They want to do better this week than I did last week. So you always have a bunch of a bunch of guys and family that just want to have fun. And you have the bunch of early people who come very early. And by nine o'clock in the morning, they're already gone because they did their lap at 12, 15 miles an hour average, whatever it is. And it makes the pro happy and it makes the family happy and it makes the, 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 the novice happy as well because they can pick and choose where they go. They can pick their risk <laughs> or not. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's awesome. You, you mentioned you wanted to talk about your new ramp. Um, so it's not really, well, we have a new ramp. We have new ramp all the time. But uh, <laughs> a, a, something that we're working on right now, we're trying to build a jump park that's going to attract national attention. Uh, right now, everything you do is, oh, well, we're, we're, we're some of the best park in South Florida, South Florida, and South Florida, where we would like to expand to that little territory. Um, a jump park, it's part of the overall park. The overall park is cross-country. You do mileage. A jump park, it's not this at all. A jump park is a bunch of humps and sometimes gaps in between, some low, some high, some with the left on top, some with the right on top. We're going to build something nationwide. I mean, let's put it that way. The, the people who will be interested in that, they're going to come from everywhere. Uh, this attracts a lot of people. Obviously, the jumps do not attract cross-country riders, but jumpers, there is hundreds of thousands of jumpers in the United States. And every time I open a new trail that's difficult, the following month, I have people from Pennsylvania, Alabama, Georgia, because they saw what we did on YouTube and they wanted to see if it was true or not. And they come and, holy, oh, super cool. So we're working on a jump park inside VK that is going to bring people from near and far and going to explode on social media. That's, that's the goal. <laughs> that's the goal, for sure. <laughs> yeah. hopefully, hopefully we help a little bit with this. But uh, how can people get informed? How can people join? Very simple. There is a huge sign on the trailhead. And on the sign, it says VirginiaKeyBicycleClub.com. This is one way to get to our website. Then you can learn about the club, about the members of the club, about the trails themselves. You have a menu. On the menu, you can buy jersey. You can do this, you can do that, yeah. but you can also become a member. So you press on membership. And for $30 a year, you can be an individual member. And if it's mommy, daddy, and two kids, for 40 bucks a year, you have a family membership. Oh. And you do have perks. Some stores in Miami give you 10% off. They are goods that are not on sale. Okay. Um, we do two night rides a month, legal, with Miami, City of Miami permits. So obviously you need a light on your bicycle. But this is also one of the perks. Uh, we also have parties and barbecues and stuff. And if you're a paid member, therefore you're invited. Otherwise you get charged per plate. Uh, awesome. And we do have we do have all kinds of people in the club, from lawyers, doctors, to judges, to to dentists, to welders, to landscapers, artists, teachers, we have everything. So everything we can do ourselves, basically. Every profession is represented in there. Beautiful. <laughs> that's, that's pretty incredible, yeah. I... Another link, um, um, virginiakeybicycleclub.com or vkbctrails.com. It takes you to the same website. I'll put all the information in the show notes yeah. for people to share. Yeah. Um, I know we're running out of time, so I have one more question for you. Yep. What is your favorite part of the trails? Well, the fact that I'm a cross-country rider, um, I like a trail that gives me a challenge and a workout. 
So there is three, four trails in there. Then if you do them two, three times in a row, you're ready to go home, take a shower and go to sleep. Uh, if you do it at two miles an hour, pushing your bike half the time, this is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what interests me is going fast on a very technical trail with a lot of up and down and left and right. So I feel like I'm mountain biking without the mountain. <laughs> this is the problem we have in Miami. Like we are very big challenge. So what I like the best is that doing something like Purple Haze, Another one bites the dust. The new trail is going to open in two months, uh, Panama, and uh, another one called Stairway to Heaven. Okay, so all those trails, you do them a couple of times. The danger is there if you're a novice, but if you're used to that, you can always fall. But I mean, you don't feel threatened by the park itself. You ride within your abilities and you should have fun and exercise. And remember, it's a green sport. So there's no pollution coming from us, no noise, no anything at all. So, sustainable, sustainable. Exactly. And if you tell anything to your viewers, tell them, come visit us, join the club. We need your money and your friendship. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Friendship. This is what I want to do with this podcast. Let people know that Miami is a place where you can do everything. You can work, you can dine, you can live, and then you could have great trails access. So thank you for the work that you've done into putting, into putting this trail together and for coming on the show and telling us all about it. No problem. My pleasure. And then I remind people also that once they're inside those trails, they don't know that two miles is the crow fly from downtown. That's it. They will never know they're in downtown. They were close to Miami. They, they, they would think they're in Georgia or somewhere, but not in Miami. And they are. <laughs> yeah, because when you're in Brickell and you see, you see, you see your way, it's only just mangroves. It's in it. When you're in the middle of the, when you're in the middle of the greenery, you don't see any building. So obviously, it's incredible. Nature at its best. Frenchy, thank you so much again for joining us. Well, it was my pleasure, Alejandro. So, uh, you, anytime you want to come, my bike is there for you if you, if you want to use it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.